Did the Celtics give up too much for Kyrie Irving? Have the Cavs improved enough to beat the Warriors? Do the Jimmy Butler and Paul George trades look worse now? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast slash live Periscope show. And today we have my man, James Hollis at Snotty Drippin', who is a B-Ball Breakdown contributor and uh, just all-around um, instigator on our platform, amongst other places. And uh, James, I'm glad to have you on. We have a few things to talk about, I would say. Oh, yeah. Something big to talk about. You know, we were so. kind of uh, searching earlier today to figure out what the hell we were going to talk about. And it was not that easy. Uh, but all of a sudden, we got a little gift in our lap. Kyrie trade went through to the Celtics. Uh, are you surprised that it was the Celtics where he ultimately ended up? Yeah, I thought this one was pretty far-fetched. I didn't think this one would happen. Um, you know, we've got two rivals, top two teams in the conference, um, you know, and someone just told me this. I'll, I'll give him credit on uh, Twitter later on. I can't remember his ad name right now. But uh, basically, the 2011 draft just traded the first pick for the last pick. That, that is true. Um, in fact, this is kind of an interesting full circle for me because one of the first viral videos I ever had was comparing Kyrie Irving to Isaiah Thomas after their rookie years. And mm-hmm. I got so much shit for that for, for a while. I had people like trying to like discredit me and looking into my high school coaching record. I mean, it was bad around that time, even though I think I was you know, somewhat exonerated for, for having those, those thoughts back then. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, really interesting bookends here for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about in the podcast with other people about this notion of him wanting to be traded in the midst of being the top team in the East and a guaranteed trip to the finals probably. So do you want to throw your two cents in right now about what you feel about the whole demand of a trade in the first place? Um, I, I didn't mind the, the demand for a trade. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Garnett talked about it uh, after their first championship in Boston where he said that you know, he said, me, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen couldn't have done this when we were 20, 21, 22 because young players have a certain amount of ego. And uh, Pat Riley talks about it, disease of more, right? So, the, hey, Kyrie had some success, but he feels he can do more. And he, he's, I remember uh, the thing that sticks out to me was when a reporter asked Kyrie about you know, something about LeBron bigger. And LeBron's like six years older than him, you know? Uh, so I can see how a young guy who considers himself a superstar would get tired of that kind of stuff. And um, you know what? He wants to spread his wings, he got his ring. He has accolades. He's got the shoe, the shoe sales and the, and the jersey sales. He's, he always hears that, you know, it's Chris Paul and it's Russell Westbrook and it's Steph Curry. The guy wants to go out and, and prove who he is as an NBA player, and you can't really fault him for that. We can't kill Kevin Durant on one hand for joining up forces with other stars and then try to kill Steph, uh, Kyrie for wanting to step out and be his own kind of man. You know what I mean? You can't have it both ways. Well, okay, that's interesting because – so let's see here. Kevin Durant left as a free agent versus getting demanding a trade by Kyrie. So it's a little bit different, but uh, certainly that you're right. The notion was uh, they the same. They both wanted out, and I do think there's a lot of parallels there. And I think that might have to do with who they're both playing with. I think this might have to do with LeBron a little bit and not wanting to play with him. And I think you're right about the this weird like father son dynamic that like I feel like LeBron trying to paint. Uh, on top of Kyrie, and Kyrie wasn't having it at all, um, is interesting. And I wonder, you know, we had David Meneman on the show, and he had mentioned that uh, Kyrie hadn't spoken to teammates for like two straight days or two straight practices in the middle of the playoffs this year. So you have to wonder, like, what exactly is it that's rubbing it, rubbed him so wrong that made it a problem? But, you know, at the very least, 
Um, the Celtics, if you want to talk about their issues, I'm sorry, the Cavaliers' issues as it, as it is now, um, just to jump ship here real quick, it kind of does feel like the Cavaliers solved a lot of problems in a hurry. Yeah, um, that, this is this was, the shocking part about this is Danny Ainge, right? He's, he he comes out on top. He 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 he's very uh, he was very cautious with these draft picks, and uh, you know we heard deals about Jimmy Butler. He didn't want to give up the picks to Crowder. You know, heard of Paul George, same kind of thing. Didn't want to give up Jalen Brown to pick. And for him to turn around now, and I like Kyrie. He's a really good player, a fine all-star player. But, I mean, if you're looking at a fit for Boston, I definitely think Jimmy Butler or, you know, Paul George on court are better fits. So the fact that he would he would make this move, I get you know, we, got, we got an extra year of, uh, of, uh, of Kyrie being on the team control than Isaiah. Isaiah wants his, his, his uh, brink struck next summer. And now this gives, uh, you know, uh, Angel, Angel a chance to kick the can down the road another year. I get that. But to give up the, the unprotected Nets pick and Jay Crowder on top of Isaiah, that just seems like a, an awful lot. Uh, for the Cavs, like you just said, hey, they got another uh, versatile wing defender. They got another three-point shooter in Crowder. And Isaiah is just as good offensively as, as Kyrie is. So I don't think they lost much. Um, and that pick, that pick is going to be incredible, I think, next year. So that's just, it's it's a coup for Cleveland. Okay, well, let's look at it from the Celtics' point of view just for a second here. Let's break it down. So mm-hmm. we're talking about, uh, so Kyrie, uh, you're right, it's interesting. There are different types of players, but in, in terms of effectiveness and production, you're pretty much, you know, getting a similar thing there. So Kyrie now has to fit, and now they're going to change the starting lineup with two starters now, actually three. Mm-hmm. Because you're losing Crowder, right? So now the Celtics have to deal with a completely new team, uh, and they lost Avery Bradley. So uh, I'm sorry, is it four starters? Did I lose track here? No, yeah, four starters, yeah. Yes. So four starters, and I don't even like Horford as a fifth starter anyway. So they're already kind of like. Whoa, 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 coach. You don't like Horford? Ah, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like um, that's a, that's. We'll do that for another show, I guess. I mean, you can go to go to war over that one. All right, fine. I mean, I just don't think he's like a starter on a on a you know a, a great you know, a good team and a good enough team to get to the finals. He doesn't have the rim protection wasn't there. Uh, he 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 just kind of floats to the three point line a lot, and, and you know I don't know. I, I I think he's I like him. I'm well, sure he's a great. Wouldn't team that be that be more of a team composition thing, right? If you put a shot blocker beside him and you move into power forward. That's a team composition thing. That's not a Horford thing. He's he's ideal as a power forward in modern NBA. Yeah, well, right? listen, I, I, and I had already shown last year in, in, really, in a kind of a prescient video that he was better when he had Olenek playing against it next alongside him. And Olenek, believe it or not, was doing a little bit of that traditional center stuff down low. Uh, so I, I hear you. I just feel like we kind of, at this point in, in Horford's career, uh, I don't know if he's the guy. He kind of, I don't know. It just, it just frustrates me a little bit watching him. It's mostly defense, but even so, let's get back to what we have here because so the Celtics, in my mind, to get Kyrie, it would have required like a starter and um, a pick. Like that would, those are the two main things. It may be like something else, right? Yeah. Instead, yeah. they give up two starters and a pick, right? That and and, yeah. and of all the picks they're going to give up, the, the the one that's unprotected from the Nets, right? So, yeah, I think we're both in agreement that that was probably too much to give up for Kyrie. I mean, I think you would agree with that. I, I, so, I guess me and you are probably in the minority here because I heard other trades where, like, hey, you know, uh, Jamal Murray and uh, Gary Harris and the pick and Wilton Chandler, which all that sounds like too much for Kyrie. And it sounds like too much. Um, the only thing I can say is Danny Ainge has earned a little benefit of the doubt for me. In the last three years, he turned the team from a lottery team to an Eastern Conference finalist. They got, they got Jalen Brown. They got Tatum already in, in the fold. 
And um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I got to give Danny Ainge a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, it's, it's, I'm scratching my head because it seemed like a little too much to give. Yeah. And so, you know, they held on to that pick for so long. And you felt like, That's okay, you know, why give it up at that point? But, again, it, it is weird because all of a sudden, for some reason, I hadn't really thought of it. But, yes, you're now talking about an Easter Conference Finals team, which probably wouldn't have really competed with the Cavaliers, even with the healthy Isaiah. Maybe it's mm. six games. All right, six mm. games. I think they had a chance. I think as as constructed, both teams had a chance before the trade. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It's hard. It's kind of funny because I forgot how vulnerable I felt the Cavaliers were uh, going into the finals, even though the Celtics just weren't grabbing me quite you know, enough. But you're right. Uh, six, seven games, whatever. And now they're completely mm. starting over and without that pick. So uh, let's move over to the Cavaliers side because um, my whole issue with the Cavaliers was I think J.R. Smith was a big, uh, big reason. And it primarily against the Warriors. I mean, I think you can kind of deal with JR and get the, what you need out of him everywhere else they play, but not against the Warriors, against a team that moves, gets him on the weak side in defense, gets him lost. Um, and so, the, and, you know, you can't afford any, any of those uh, lapses against the Warriors. So uh, they, did, they still have him, but they added another mm. perimeter defender. Now, I feel like, is Crowder getting enough respect as a top defender in the league? As far as I'm concerned, I think he is. Uh, I, I, he's a very good defender. Uh, we, we found, though, he has a problem guarding quicker, sm- like smaller kind of two guards. He can't guard them very well. He doesn't go through. He doesn't fight the screens very well. He bulked up a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's a fine defender, fine team defender, man. He's going he's gonna to dig in. He can play some power forward for you in small ball lineups. He shot almost 40% from three last year. Uh, you know, that I think a lot of that was, you know, had to do with the spacing from Horford and Isaiah. But he's going to have the same thing with Isaiah and now with Kevin Love. So, yeah, man, it's just this. This is like. Cleveland. They got everything they kind of needed in in one fell swoop. And dude, if they can get like a Mo Bamba next season or a Marvin Bagley with that pick, that's that's something else. Yeah. Now, here's another question. You know, we've seen Isaiah have a little bit of issues with other dominant scorers on his team. So, uh, and we and we've already seen that Kyrie, you know, did. I I, I would give him credit. I feel like he subjugated his that that's the right word. Whatever, subjugated whatever he did mm-hmm. to his game uh, to to suppress allow- his game. Yes, you know, to allow LeBron to be the man and do this thing. Uh, you know, he did that as well as anybody in that situation could do it. Um, I don't know. Will Isaiah be able to exist in a way where he gets less ball dominance? He gets less high pick and rolls, I'm assuming, because, you know, Kyrie didn't get a lot of as many as he wanted of those. How do you think that's going to work? Uh, I think Isaiah's a smart player. I think he knows he's playing with LeBron James. He has a chance to, you know, go to the finals. I think he is smart enough to know that if he plays well, he, you know, he's still trying to earn his paycheck next summer. So, um, it's again, like they're, they're very similar players. You know, he's, he's able to play off ball and kind of lay in the weeds until they need him to take over and score a lot. He can, he's a microwave type scorer. He's up quickly. So, I don't see how it would be too much of a problem, man. It's LeBron James is playing off of. And I think Isaiah's actually a little better off of that quick catch and shoot or, you know, pulling him off the dribble than Kyrie was. Um, just, you know, a quick kind of catch, shoot, pull, a quick pull up. Kyrie liked to dribble himself to a rhythm. Um, so I think he might even almost be a better fit with LeBron. Very true. And that reminds me of the great fit between me and Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. What I like best about Blue Apron is the variety. So whether you're a Kyrie guy or an Isaiah fan, their flexible menus can be customized to your individual taste. You won't believe how easy it is to cook things like basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, 
While it might sound complicated, the easy-to-follow recipe and exactly measured quantities of food make for an easy experience, one that your whole family can bond over. For less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you can have Blue Apron delivered to your door. And if you visit blueapron.com slash coachnick, you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping. That's like an Isaiah Thomas floater over Hassan Whiteside or a Kyrie step-back triple in Curry's face. So visit blueapron.com slash coachnick, get your first three meals free, and get that same home cooking you get from the refs when your team plays in their own arena. That's actually interesting because you can argue that the offense that Brad Stevens put Isaiah in, which was finally like he found a home where he could really be as effective as possible, was mm-hmm. motion attacking off the catch and just sort of or like catch and shoot and not pounding the ball. Like that was one yes. thing that you're right. So in theory, he's had two years to kind of train for that. Sort of you know in, in a similar vein as you know maybe Durant was trained you know with with Russ to like be off the ball and have to you know work with somebody else in that sense. Um, so that might actually work. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the notion of like Kevin Love on this team with a guy like Crowder because, in theory, they should start Crowder where Kevin Love is. You know, if they want to use Crowder as, as much as they or as as well as they could. Uh, does that mean can they get away with starting Kevin Love like center a little bit, or is that not going to work either? Well, see, then you got Tristan coming off the bench, which I mean, I think Tristan would again, like you said, subjugate his ego. But I mean, why wouldn't they go? Uh, you know, Isaiah, Jr. Uh, oh man, that's tough. Yeah, LeBron's there, so yeah, because that's Crowder tough. Can't yeah, be a two guard. Although no, I, he can't. No, he's a, he's the right height, um, right? <laughs> but um, although I feel like wasn't Crowder playing? I gotta look. I don't think he ever played two guard, did he? He was always sort of three. I and mean, four. See, now now nowadays a wing is a wing, kind of right? Okay. You know, if you got a two a two a two three three two, sure, LeBron is a three. He doesn't play two, but a guy like Crowder, six six, strong. He, yeah, I, I guess why not? You could start him at two, but I mean, Jr. kind of thrived starting. Or you, are you happy bringing him back off the bench? I don't yeah, know, man. I don't know. I'm confused. Uh, I'm also confused because well, there's no confusion as far as defensively because so Isaiah clearly had, was an issue for the Boston Celtics for a, you know for a variety of reasons, and you know I kind of want to say primarily it's because of his stature because he did give effort and he tried. Um, Kyrie is a better defender, I think, right? When Kyrie really does try, he can actually make defensive plays, whereas you're just hoping that Isaiah doesn't kill Gets in you. the way, right. right? Uh, and we saw the Wizards target Isaiah, you know? Whoever he switched to, they threw him in the post or just ran him in front of the rim and threw him the ball, and it, it worked, you know? That's the big thing for me with this trade is that it's, even though they're similar players, you know, you, you actually have an adult-sized man now playing your point guard and not, you know, not a sixth grader, which I'm not making fun of Isaiah. He was amazing. But it does put a certain cap on how good the team is going to be when you're, you know, your best scorer also probably can't be on the on the floor in your best lineups, you know, playing defense. Um, so for Cleveland, now you got Kevin Love, who sure he was better in the finals, but he's not a strong defender. Right. And you, you got Isaiah to worry about now. And teams are going to target him. You know, they're going to target him. So let's see. For I really think that Boston was not going to miss uh, Crowder as much as people think, because I think Jalen Brown is ready for a bigger role. Uh, I think Marcus Smart can step in in every Bradley role and take over as the the primary defender on the perimeter for the, for guards. Smart is actually a better all-around defender than Avery Bradley. Uh, I hate to break it to people. Uh, really? I, I'm telling you right now, Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was a net negative, and that's not saying he's a bad player, but the team actually just performed at a higher efficiency when Avery Bradley was out of the game. 
I know. Well, he, okay, we can save that discussion about about those defensive stats for another day too. Because well, no, it's not even about the efficiency stats. It's the fact that when Avery Bradley sat, I mean, he was hurt for I think fifteen, almost twenty games. They didn't. Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Um, so he's good. He's a great guy to throw on somebody if they're hot. And, the, you know, he, he puts all the effort in there. But as far as team defenders, Smart's a lot better. Smart's a better off-ball defender and, and you know, gets in the passing lane. That's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's stronger and he can be a, like, a little bit more versatile. I mean, I hated the idea of him, like, trying to guard LeBron or, like, going down low to do it. But, like, okay, he could do it a little bit. I, I, he could do it certainly more than, like, Bradley could. But I, I don't know. There's just – there are those moments when you watch Bradley just do the junkyard dog thing and just is all over the guys, and it really makes it difficult. Um, and I hey, feel coach, like that's – Coach, do you remember the, you remember the 2015 15 playoffs when, when uh, Paul Millsap was going nuts and he had 39 points coming into the fourth quarter? And guess what they did? They threw Marcus Smart on Paul Millsap. And he went one for five the rest of the game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, that that, that is true too. I, I you know, again, uh, you know, regression to the mean for Mr. Millsap. Either way, <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah. No, listen, I like Marcus Smart. Um, I, the thing with Bradley was always interesting is that you know he became a, a pretty good offensive player as well, That's which true. made that value. I, I was I had a hard time being sold on that, even though he ultimately shot I think about forty percent from three, mm-hmm. and he could put the ball on the ground a little bit, and he did it enough times where you had to accept that he this is a thing. Um, and so that's going to be a big deal, I think, for them either way, because I, I, I just get back to the, the, the forward glut that they have. That, that is the best part about like, the Celtics moving Crowder is that they now have room to, or minutes to play these guys. Because otherwise, um, uh, the first round draft pick uh, from Duke is um, Tatum. Tatum was not going to play at all, right? Yeah. That's, it's, it, so that was my one concern this year before, you know, both the trades actually is that we have. Uh, we have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, they had Crowder. Then they got Shemi Ojale, who's going to be a, a, basically a 4-5. You won't play him with three. Yabuselli is a 4-5. A uh, Abdel Nader is a 3-4. You know, um, so, yeah, we, we definitely have had a glut of players. Uh, even, like, my guy um, Bird, uh, Jabari Bird, is a 6-6 two-guard who can play some three also. He's signed a contract, and he can shoot lights out. He can play some defense. So, like, we had a glut of guys, and open it up for rookies and guys who might not be quite ready, right? So, and, and as a team that's running a ten right now, that kind of worries me about Paul. For sure. And, and Marcus Smart, by the way, was playing that forward position too a little bit. So, like, that was less minutes. Um, so, yeah, it would be. It's very. Uh, it actually is a. You know, so I'm sure Brad Stevens loved. Crowder and, and doesn't mm-hmm. want to see him go, but it certainly you know alleviates some issue there. But again, hard to imagine that the Celtics are going to be able to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals with four new starters. Quick, quick theory I have for you is that uh, uh, Crowder might not have, he never let go of the fact that the Boston home crowd was cheering for Gordon Hayward. Do you remember yeah. that when it, they, Gordon Hayward came to town? Yeah, and um, so he never let go of that fact. I, I'm pretty sure once Gordon Hayward signed, I don't, I'm not pretty sure. I just have a feeling he might have even kind of agitated for a well, while. If you're going to bring him in, just go ahead and get me out of here. Yeah, no, I, that's that, that's certainly a possibility too. I mean, I, I don't I don't know uh, Crowder at all personally. For it sure, didn't yeah, me neither. Like he'd be that guy, but um, you know those those Marquette guys are kind of quiet and they're tough and they don't you know they just do their business. But um, I don't know. Okay. But back to what you were saying about four starters. I mean, it's a, it's a long season. It's 82 games, uh, and I think Brad Stevens is going to have a sh- chance to run some real positions, ba- positionless basketball for stretches. And they're deep, they're versatile. I think regular season they're going to be fine. Um, I, 
my problem with the Wizards is that they don't have enough depth off the bench. Yeah. Uh, the Raptors offense is so vanilla that in the in the playoffs it's kind of easy to kind of short circuit them. So I'm not too worried about them. I don't. I mean, Boston, the East Conference Finals is theirs to lose. Yeah. Oh. No, I'm sorry. Is theirs to as far as a berth in the Eastern Conference Finals is theirs to lose? I'm not That's saying they're going to definitely beat the Cavs, but yeah. I think yeah, I still take them over Washington or the or the Raptors to reach the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I guess that means that we're going uh, that I'm getting um, I'm getting off the the Wizards train, which is sad. Are you big on them? You high? I've Wizards? been on the train for a long time, thinking like this is the chance they have. This you know they have what they needed to beat the Cavaliers, which is a fast break up up tempo game. Um, and you know they they it was a weird series between them and the Celtics. It's really hard to get a handle on how that yeah. that worked out too. So uh, yeah, you're right. They had they they're they're the one team that really had a shot at like doing something this offseason to get that jump, and they did nothing except yeah, they uh, just... resign Otto. So yeah. you know which is good, but like you know they needed another yeah they needed another point guard off the bench. They uh, yeah it's it's a real problem. So Kelly Oubre is like their only real scorer off the bench, you know, and that's I don't know if I trust that. No, I hear you. You know, I, I like him. He's developing. He's, he keeps improving. But, you know, that's a real lot. Uh, it's not it's not enough. Um, For sure. So let's go back over to the Cavaliers. Um, you know, this notion of like the first round pick, which is great and all. I mean, listen, LeBron James is going to have to do some defending, uh, I think, more than he had last year. I really feel like that he needs to start making a few more plays on that end um, if they're going to really compete with the Warriors. Um but that not. Could, you know because again if you look at that now if you put Isaiah in that lineup with you know Kevin Love right that there's now they're going to be okay alongside uh, you have a plus defender in uh, Tristan Thompson and then Jr is Jr I guess if we're going to do that or we somehow get Crowder in there so um, I don't know why don't they just throw LeBron at center I mean yeah. they can try and, and KD KD's still going to eat from his uh, his position wherever he's at you know that's the thing there's there's just no real solution as they're built for Golden State. You know, they, they need a, a infusion of talent somewhere else. If they could add Paul George for free, which they can't, you know, it's like I, I just don't see a, a way out. Okay, so let's go, let's go talk about this because there can't be I – mean, the Bulls must be a little bit upset here, right? I mean, what they got for Butler compared to what the Cavaliers got for Kyrie – I mean, right? None of these things seem to make sense. And then you throw in what they what the Pacers got for Paul George, right? This is, this is nothing is making sense to me when you kind of compare those, right? It's not. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, walk me through this because you know, or or, or let's even look at the notion of what Phoenix was going to give up. They were going to give up probably what? Uh, well, they didn't. Or they didn't want to give up, but they had Jackson, and they're going to probably give up Bledsoe and maybe a pick or maybe not a pick. Uh, how does that measure up with what they ended up getting from Boston? Uh, well, I mean, like, I still think they got a better haul from Boston. You know, when you get a, you get two fully formed guys instead of having a, a Josh Jackson guy who's, you know, he's 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 no one knows who Josh Jackson really is um, yet. So, I, and I'm glad that Phoenix was Phoenix is thinking about long term. They weren't going to give up Josh Jackson, and that's that's smart. I think I, I'm just I'm just flabbergasted by Boston giving up so much. I, I don't get it. Because you're right. I think there's no other deal that was even close that was going to really happen. You know, so I don't get it. Right. And, you know, and so it's like and, and, and we can go back to the Pacers thing. It's like they had the deal they ended up doing for Paul George. That would have been there weeks later. I don't think the OK, no one was going to do another deal with OKC to get Oladipo and uh, Sabonis. So it's just, you know, that's mind boggling to me, too, because the Cavaliers wanted to trade Kyrie. 
The Celtics had all these assets, and then uh, the Pacers wanted to trade Paul George. What should have happened? Like, shouldn't Paul George have ended up on Cleveland? Yes, and I mean, we all heard the rumor about how Denver had a deal all lined up, and uh, I think the Pacers GM backed out the last minute. Right. Right. What was that deal? Do you remember? It was uh, Gary Harris. Uh, I think uh, like Wilson Chandler and like a pick was going to Indiana. And then Love was going to Denver, and then Paul George was going to, to Cleveland. Wow. Now, that would have been a really bad deal for Denver, right? You think so? I don't know. Getting Love for a pick and Gary Harris. and I mean, yeah, uh, I guess Love is worth something. And you know what? In, in, in Denver, you know, without Gallinari there, he might have been even better. So, okay, uh, not bad. Um, so, so, but yes. back, to, back to the Paul George thing, I, I guess it's the, the big – didn't want to give up like fungible assets for a guy who could walk in in you know 11 months i can i can understand that okay all right now let the which also kind of touches upon a little bit about this notion of tampering that the pacers are now uh accusing the lakers of which is very strange because what's the difference he's gone they traded him what's the tampering anyway um can you understand do, do you think the pacers are trying to get out of the trade by by saying there's tampering with the lakers no, I think it's almost like they they feel that you know justly or not. I'm I'm not exactly sure what the, what they they the evidence they have. They feel like they did, they didn't get a fair shake with Paul George. Uh, they feel that maybe you know somebody was in his ear that shouldn't have been that tell you know that so it went from maybe I'll resign to you guys to all right there's no way I'm resigning and that's so it seems like they just kind of want their pound of flesh from the Lakers. Okay. Very weird. I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. It sounds petty and weird, but I mean, we'll see. I guess when the story, when the story is going to come out, we'll get the whole story eventually. I guess, hopefully. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm trying to get like a Lakers insider around the show uh, this week to talk more about it because, uh, you know, I mean, everybody talks. I'm sure Magic doesn't know all the nuances of all the. Well, maybe he does know all the rules and doesn't care. But <laughs> either way, um, yeah, it's very, very, very strange. And I and I don't know exactly what the. Uh, yeah, the Pacers are, are trying to get out of this at this point. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's the key is what is the penalty for for that? Do, like, would they somehow get an extra pick from somebody, right? Isn't, isn't there a penalty in the Lakers if they're found guilty? I think, I mean, like up to they could, if they're really found guilty and there's evidence, they could actually, uh, the, the league could bar any trades that send Paul George or any signing of Paul George to the Lakers. Oh, you mean in the future? That's interesting. In the future, right? All so right. I think that's that's one of the options. I think if like it's some you know rock hard evidence that you know magic reached out or something happened. Who knows? I'm not sure how it goes, but yeah, it's true. And I, I and that's interesting. Yeah, especially because uh, maybe Paul George. I mean, you know, did they convince Paul George to want to get out of there to go to L.A.? He's already from here. I don't think that that was ever a thing. But you know, uh, very fascinating stuff. Um, Here's some questions we have on, on Periscope. I'll throw out here that uh, Undisputed Goat asks, will Cleveland give, it, give IT a max? What, what do we think about that? Um, I don't see how they do it. The only way they do it is if LeBron says, I will stay here if you keep Isaiah, I think. Because, I mean, 30-plus million dollars for Isaiah is tough to swallow, man. It's yeah. tough to swallow. He'll be, he'll be 30 here soon. So I, I'm actually, that's one thing I'm relieved about the trade, that Boston doesn't have to make the decision now. I don't mind paying. I don't mind paying Kyrie Max in 2019. I didn't want to pay Isaiah Max next year. 
Oh, I, I agree. That was the biggest issue of anybody going into that next year was whether they were going to pay Isaiah. It was not going to be worth it because he's 30, I think, right next year, something like that. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and so that was just not going to be a, a worthwhile max. Uh, you know, it's the same max they had to pay uh, Drew Holiday, which I never thought was anywhere near worth it. And they right, they gave it to him this, this offseason, right? And that's so the market, that's, man. Yeah, it's a terrible market, man. If I were an owner, it's like Jesus. What do you? I know you have to do what you got to do, but Jesus Christ, um, it, it's uh, those are not good contracts as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Drew Holiday is a starter in the league, but you know that's about not a max player. Yeah, no not a max player. And it's gonna it's a cascade of, of issues over there because you know they're not gonna get where they need to go with these two big guys and uh, that's if they lose those guys that's gonna be a big problem again for them. That's another that's another that's another topic we can cover some other times. I think they're gonna be pretty good this year. So that's oh, yeah. a great topic for us to hit. Yeah, I think so. But look, I'm gonna plug two things. Our guy Brian Toprick over at B-Ball Breakdown he actually wrote a piece about how the new supermax contracts are actually hurting teams right Got, teams are being put over the barrel and saying hey i'd rather move boogie than pay him you know you know 45 million dollars a year so brian topperick uh, wrote that and then our guy jesse blanchard we ought to go read it in post-mortem now he wrote an article about why why the boston Celtics should pay isaiah thomas and so you know a lot of those things don't matter now but i guess they kind of transfer over to the cleveland cavaliers so, yeah yeah. yeah, if we're if we're doing plugs, I just released uh, this uh, an hour ago uh, a really interesting video on who had the best uh, the best season for a little man in the NBA, six feet or under. And Isaiah Thomas's last season was one of the three we spotlit, and so uh, kind of a fascinating thing there because you know he had an argument for having the best season of all time for someone six feet or under, uh, especially because. You know, if you look, we looked at Allen Iverson and Tiny Archibald. Those guys are four inches taller than him, or five. So it was even more right. impressive on uh, on Isaiah's uh, part. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess you know, there's another question that fl that flew out on the Periscope, which was uh, that um, Fife Demlu one asked, "Did the Cavs get better?" I don't know. Do we specifically answer that question clearly? Um, I'll answer it specifically. I think they got better. Uh, sure, I think you could say that Isaiah's, you know, I think he's in the same ballpark as Kyrie. So you can say they got a little better, a little worse there. Getting Jay Crowder was huge. So, yep. yeah, they got better. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they needed a defender on the wing, and they got it. Um, and they didn't lose much offensively uh, from the point guard position. Another question we got here is from, uh, let's see here, JJ11. Do you think IT will have as much freedom in the Cavs offense as he did in Boston? And we did touch upon that for a second, but – um, no, right? Is that answer has to be no. It has to be no, right? Because this is LeBron James' world. Isaiah was the big fish in the in, a, in the you know medium sized pond in Boston. He ran the show. He was able to you know when he wanted to just take it take any shot he pretty much wanted in in the in the you know the the flow of the offense kind of. And when they needed him to, he he can go bonkers. This is LeBron James' show, and he'll be playing off LeBron James unless LeBron James you know is ready to see the see the offense to him and later. Oh, uh, no, nah, he won't have the same freedom at all. Right. And that, that's going to be an interesting question. Now, will he take winning over, you know, uh, over a little less stuff? Now, here, but here's the thing. He could be a catch-and-shoot guy and shoot 40% from three and get, you mm -hmm. know, get some pick-and-rolls and get some attacking on the catch uh, that LeBron opens up for him. Uh, he, he, he could, in theory, have the, the easiest shots of his career. Uh, in this, you know, and, and probably the highest field goal percentage of his career this year because of that. And if he if he can figure that out, and uh, we get to find out, I think that Ty Lue is going to have to do some of that coaching stuff uh, that maybe he hasn't been doing recently, or we'll see. Because uh, you know, it, it, it is a significant. It's different. It's going to be a different team for them. 
they're, I have to imagine they're getting rid of all the other old guys, right? Is, is RJ gone? Do we know anything about him? I think RJ's back, man. I think RJ's back. I know uh, Kyle. Kyle's still there. Corver's still there. Yeah. Um, Ch- Chandler uh, is uh, – wait. Um, yeah, Chandler Ch- uh, Fry. Chandler, Fry's Chandler there Fry, still. excuse me, is gone, right? I don't think so. I think he's still there, man. I think we, we – this is uh, this is quality – uh, live, live oh, periscoping. Just, yeah, it is. And D Rose uh, as well, as I'm reminded, uh, is is on this team. Somebody told me that D Rose is. Uh, you can pencil him in for six man of the year. So I guess we'll see. You know, I don't think he played as badly as people want to make it seem last year. Do you? He didn't play badly, but uh, our guy, I think it was Network or Jay Dubin, one of those guys. They're they're big Twitter following. They wrote a they wrote a piece about how you can be uh, productive but not really useful. And so putting up 18 points a game on a bad team is not, I mean, how much impact are you really having? And that's going to be the question next year. Can he be an impactful player? That's going to be the question. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, if he's going to come off the bench, I mean, there's the thing. Rose coming in off the bench uh, behind Kyrie is, you know, that, that's a nice position for him. If, if Again, if he can kind of accept that and not just try and force everything, you know, to try and make some big statement. Um I wonder if there's going to be a competition for that starting position between Rose and IT. What do you yeah. think? I think Derrick Rose still thinks he's a star, a superstar. Derrick Rose carries himself like that, and he has that confidence. So I think he's definitely coming to the into the training camp now, especially thinking, oh, I got a shot to take over the starting spot. And he's going to play like it. I mean, he averaged, what, 18 and 5, 18 and 6 last year, which the numbers are good. He shot a decent percentage. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think that that, that's a, that has a potential to be something there. Like you said, they, if they put Isaiah as a starter and Rose feels he should be a starter, let's see how that goes chemistry-wise. I'm I'm fascinated. That has to be one of the storylines we got to look at because I like that. You know, without Brad Stevens, any other kind of very traditionalist kind of coach would look at Isaiah Thomas and, and say, like everyone else had for his career, say, "You are that Vinnie Johnson microwave off the bench. You are not a starter." And um, that 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 I maybe I'd argue that that that's his perfect role. You know, because of the defensive stuff, bring him in, let him score 18, 19 a game in about twenty five minutes. Um, you know, he could finish the games. But uh, I'm that is a fascinating thing because you know LeBron James cures a lot of ills. He makes people better. We we certainly understand that. I mean, if you know if they can figure it out, if Kevin Love, you know, he finally kind of figured it out and became better for it, right? Um, so, so that is what he can do for teams. But um, I don't know. They're going to have to do some – there's going to be a lot of adjustments here. I think the Eastern Conference might actually start off kind of rough in the beginning as Boston's adjusting, as Cleveland's got to adjust a little bit. Washington – who knows? Maybe Washington gets out of the gate big because they're the only team that's coming back with, like, their same team. Um, and I, my thing with Isaiah is, like, you're saying his ideal role might be off the bench. It's really hard to to put that back in the in the box, right? After a guy scores twenty nine points a game and you know gets thirty something minutes a game, it's really hard to tell him, oh, oh, you know what? Now go back in your reserve role, right? And again, Isaiah has a lot a lot in common, uh, common with Derrick Rose, where he carries himself as a star and he thinks, hey, I'm an all star. You're not going to tell me I'm a bench player, a, a role player here to back up LeBron James and Derrick Rose. So yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, something to watch in in Cleveland. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on all that stuff. And uh, don't forget the Bucks, as Nuruddin just reminded me. And that's absolutely true uh, with Jabari Parker back. I think they're going to be right there as well. It's going to be, you know what, the East will be really kind of fun, maybe for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, I, don't, maybe- I don't think Jabari's back until like January. I think oh, it's right? about a Yeah, it's going to be. And then, and then, of course, it's going to be about a minutes count. My one, my one question about the Bucks is the coaching. I don't know if is, is, is uh, Jason Kidd, is he creative enough to take advantage of, of their size? 
responsibility. Yeah, that is a very good, a very good point. There was a moment there where I thought he really was coaching him up and doing well, and then they had uh, not this year, but the year before, they kind of crashed and burned a little bit. And so this is his, this is the reckoning. I think he's probably on the hot seat at this point. They need to uh, take another step forward, or else uh, he'd probably be gone. And you know, honestly, that might be the move to make. I get it because the coach is always the easiest one to go, and you gotta you have a generational type guy in Giannis. You got to do everything you can to make him successful. Might have to, you might have to get a, a, a more creative coach in there to take full advantage of, of his, uh, his unique game. Absolutely. Well, James, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and breaking this stuff down for us live on Periscope. We're battling the uh, internet here, but it seemed we got through it. Uh, great stuff. And let's, we're going to do this every week. Hey, you know what, Coach? I'm going to hold you to that. And so me and you can come on and we can battle about Russell Westbrook. We can battle about Al Horford. I'm, I'm raring to go. I appreciate you. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll do this. We can do it live every on Tuesday, and then we'll drop it on every Wednesday morning fresh for the uh, the morning commute as we get into uh, school finally starting, although my kids still don't go back to school for another week, and then the other one for two weeks. So uh, we'll be getting back into it uh, as soon as the, now and whatever. But next week I'm going to see you. We're going to do this regular, regularly because uh, we owe the fans uh, this kind of analysis. It's great stuff. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. You in, James? Hey, coach. You know I'm in.